Are you worried or anxious today, friend? Receive God's anecdote for anxiety next. It is possible to be less anxious, and it is possible to not worry, and it is possible to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and it is possible not to lean on your own understanding. Not in your own, though, not where you take control of the situation. That actually makes you worry more, but rather by surrendering your life to the will of God, to the sovereignty of God, to the power of God. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado welcomes you to Abounding Grace. Great to be with you today as Pastor Ed Taylor continues his series in the Gospel of John. A troubled heart is something we all encounter at one time or another, and maybe you have a heavy heart as we speak. The disciples were troubled as well when they realized their teacher and friend was about to leave them. But I'm happy to say there is a remedy for such a condition. Turn to John chapter 14 and let's draw much needed comfort and perspective from the words of Jesus. Here's Pastor Ed. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start at Philippians 4 and we will end up in John chapter 14, which is a new chapter for us. The title of my message today is Jesus' Answer for Troubled Hearts, Part 1. Jesus' Answer for Troubled Hearts, Part 1. And that will be the topic of our studies in the next couple weeks. Now, recent research revealed that last year, one out of 20 people reported as being worried, depressed, or anxious. One out of 20, that's 5%. If you take the 5% and you apply it to our, the population of our country, that amounts to 16,223,234 people said last year that they were worried, anxious, or depressed. Now, just to, to get the scope of what that means, on a daily basis last year, I'm sure it's unchanged or increased this year, 44,447 people are really going through it and responding to the stress and pressures of life with worry, anxiety, and great difficulty. Studies suggest that high levels of stress and worry can actually lead to a number of diseases, including heart attacks, ulcers, depression, even nervous breakdowns. Even cancer is said to be stress-related. Certain types of cancers can be stress-related. And one person said up to 90% of doctor visits in the USA may be triggered by a stress-related illness. I mean, that's upon us. We live in a very difficult world, a very stressed-out world. When you hear a title, Jesus answered to troubled hearts, you may yourself today have a troubled heart filled with all sorts of anxiety and difficulty, maybe even bordering on or in depression. Just really discouraged right now. Just really going through it. 
It was George Mueller. And by the way, if you want a book that will increase your faith, you can pick up a little paperback. I think it's called, it's an autobiography of George Mueller, and it's his life of faith. Uh, He was used mightily of God to build many orphanages and minister in England uh, many years ago by faith. And, And his book is very encouraging. It was George Mueller that said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. It's so true. Part of the battle that you and I face as believers, as followers of Jesus, is this ongoing fight between the flesh and the spirit. That's how the Bible describes it, the flesh lusting against the spirit. But put into terms that you may be more relatable, that's the human side of you fighting against God's desire for your life, the power of God's spirit in your life, the human part. Fear, anxiety, those things are normal and they're very human, but they fight against the spiritual part of our lives. They undermine our faith. They undermine our trust in the Lord. And so it becomes a battle, this flesh against the spirit battle becomes a battle of fear versus faith, anxiety versus assurance. And for many of you, Listening into me, this is an intense battle in your life because worry and anxiety and fear are real, true emotions that so many of us face on a regular basis. For some, you could even say that it's a big issue in your life or it's the issue. I know for me personally, worry and anxiety is a part of my life. And it has been even more uh, in the later years. It's just been one of those things where I need to learn to cast my cares upon the Lord daily, constantly, continually. But worry, anxiety, and fear are true for the believer and the non-believer alike. For the believer, though, worry is like an acid. It eats away at the very core of our trust in Jesus Christ. And usually the way it works is when things are going the way that we want them to go, we don't worry very much. But when things are not going the way that we want to, worry is one of those responses. And then worry leads to anxiety, and then anxiety leads to discouragement. Discouragement leads to depression, and it's a recipe for disaster spiritually. Worry and fear, it's been said, are like Siamese twins. Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind, If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are then drained out. And then that's all that you do is worry. It's all that you do is our concern. It's all that you're just consumed by it. And the Bible has much to say about worry and anxiety because God, as a compassionate God, he cares for us. And he wants us to walk through in victory these things that that beset us but once laying them aside and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us, we can walk with confidence. So the Bible has much to say, like it does in Philippians chapter 4. There is insight and an answer, not the only answer, but an answer to anxiety, an answer to worry, an antidote, if you will. And there's at least five things that we see in this section of Scripture, beginning in verse 6, that will really help you Especially those of you that deal with worry all the time. And you're just a worrier. And you're over-concerned. Verse 6 of Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. God has a word for anxiety. You see, even though anxiety and worry are normal emotions, they can very easily become crossing the line and become something that is a sin in our lives, not trusting the Lord. There is a place for normal feelings for sure, but the Bible's clear that if we're not careful, it can easily become a sin where we're just simply not trusting in the Lord. We're just simply not relying on him. And we want to be careful. We don't ever want to go to that place. It's possible, it's possible to allow the circumstances of life to so take our eyes off the Lord that we're not in the place that he desires. So there's five things here that will help us. And I'm just going to use words, just one word for each point. Number one, when it comes to anxiety, stop. (laughs) Stop it. That's what the Bible says. Be anxious for nothing. There's a point where we then take control of our lives and we stop. We recognize it and we stop in that moment. The word anxious is used some 19 times in the New Testament. It actually comes to us from two Greek words. One word meaning the mind and the other word meaning divide. And that's the definition that we have. To be pulled in different directions. That's what anxiety means. Or like James would put it, to be double-minded. Double-minded. The problem with being double-minded is is that the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So how careful we need to be. Anxiety and worry causes us to be double-minded. We're we're double-minded as we have one mind for the Lord and the rest of our mind is taken away by worrying about our situation. Worry literally divides the mind and makes a person unstable. You know, the old English root for worry is actually to strangle. And that's exactly what it does. Strangles us. Number two, seek Seek. In everything, he says, pray. The antidote to worry is to pray and to cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. That's what Peter said. Not only are we to stop where we're at, but in the very next moment, we're to begin to pray and ask the Lord with our prayers and supplications to meet us where we're at. Surrender the situation. Surrender the person. Surrender whatever it is that has captured your mind and caused you to be double-minded. Pray. Redirect all your energies into this one activity. Be prayerful. There will be many times when I have sleepless nights where I'll just pray through this scripture. I'll wake up and I'm like, man, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I need to be asleep. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I need to be asleep. But then I'll, 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 I'll start praying, Lord, you said that I'm to be anxious for nothing. You said that I'm to remind myself of these things and meditate, and I'll just begin to pray this through. If this is one of the areas that you struggle with, you should memorize this section of Scripture. You should put it in your heart because the Bible says that when you hide things in your heart, you won't sin against him. It's a preventative maintenance in your life to not sin against the Lord, especially in this area of your life. And just get a good night's sleep by praying through it. Number three, thankfulness. Thank God. 
That's what he says here. Thank God. In verse, in verse 6, it says, by all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now, somebody's researched this and said that the parts of your brain that deal with fear and thankfulness, the parts of your brain that deal with fear and thankfulness, cannot operate at the same time. So that when you're thankful, you're not fearful. And when you're fearful, you're not thankful. And I thought, man, that's amazing. To be thankful draws me into a place of trusting the Lord and really literally finding something to be thankful for. Finding something to take my mind and put it back on the Lord. Number four, stay. Stay. So far, stop, seek, thank, and now stay. Because notice the promise in verse seven. The promise of praying and stop, the promise of stopping and seeking and thanking God in the midst of anxiety, this is what he says he'll do for you. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Stay in the peace of God. It's God's gift to you. And I love the phrase there, beyond surpassing understanding, because isn't that the way it is? There you are in a peaceful mode in the midst of crazy chaos, and people come alongside of you and go, I can't, how can you be so calm? How can you be so peaceful? And you're like, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just trust God, and I know the situation. You know the situation, but God has given me a peace. And it's very important that we stay in the peace of God that passes all understanding. And then finally, fill. F-I-L-L. Fill your mind and heart with good things. He he mentions a bunch. Noble, just, pure, lovely, any virtuous thing. Meditate. Stay. That word meditate literally means to chew on. Stay there. Don't move. Stay in the good. Fill your minds with God's truth. Now, if you're a worrier, a man or a woman of anxiety, you can relate to the effects of worry. You can relate to how much damage it does. You can relate to how it undermines your faith. But you might be having a hard time relating to the solution. Some of you may even be thinking, having a dialogue with me right now, would stop worrying? I can't stop worrying. What are you talking about? That's not possible. But let me tell you, friend, the language of God's word is very clear here. It actually, when he, says, when he says be anxious for nothing, literally that means don't worry about one single thing. That God is going to take care of you. He's going to provide for all your needs by his riches in Christ Jesus. This is merely echoing what Jesus taught us. Turn back in Matthew chapter 6 for a minute. Matthew chapter 6. These are mere echoes, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul, of what Jesus taught us earlier. That it is possible to be less anxious. And it is possible to not worry. And it is possible to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it is possible not to lean on your own understanding. Not in your own, though. Not where you take control of the situation. That actually makes you worry more. But rather by surrendering your life to the will of God, to the sovereignty of God, to the power of God. Notice what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 6. We'll pick up in verse 24. Verse 24 is an interesting verse when Jesus says, No one can serve two masters who either hate the one or love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
This little verse is put in between Jesus' teaching on money and Jesus' teaching on worry. And oftentimes, worry is directly related to money issues. And Jesus is simply saying, look, you can't serve two masters. You can't, be, you can't go after the buck and serve me effectively. And, and as you serve me effectively, I'll give you wisdom on, on how to use money for the kingdom. You, you can't do both. You, you, you can't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth and expect your life to be fully pleasing to the Lord. Because Jesus just taught on that. But more importantly, as you read on, he says, Therefore, I say to you, verse 25, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you're going to put on. Isn't your life more than, more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they of not more value than, are you of not more value than they? And the answer to that question is, yes, of course you're more valuable than birds. You're more valuable than animals. You are the only created thing that God created in his image. You're the only one that Jesus was sent to for his blood to forgive you of your sins. You're far more valuable than animals. You're far more valuable than birds. Notice he says in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. So if God so clothes the grass, verse 30, of the field, and today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? These illustrations are beautiful because we can use them today. I mean, these are things that Jesus saw with his own eyes, and so do we. We see the birds of the air. They're not, they don't have a job. They're not showing up at work, clocking in and out. I, I've never met a bird on, on the sidewalk in front of my house doing this. I can't leave it. I can't leave it. And if I had a chance to go, what's wrong, little bird? I can't pay my mortgage. I don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to kick us out of the nest. And then what's going to... I mean, you never had a bird. I mean, as a matter of fact, the birds would not do that on my sidewalk in front of my house because they have taken over my porch. They think it's theirs. They didn't sign a lease agreement with me. I now, I've got a woodpecker now that thinks my house is food for him. That's a Bible study for another time about not being angry and vengeful for the woodpecker that's destroying our house. But God provided my backyard with all the worms for them. God provided my house for that knuckle-headed woodpecker that will not leave. No, I'm not upset about it at all or anything like that. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, the birds are taken care of. No problem. They have no worries or cares of concern. And then, of course, this time of the year for us in Colorado with the snow and the melt and everything, the Rocky Mountains are just gorgeous. They're just amazingly gorgeous, arrayed, more beautiful than Solomon in all his glory. And then when the springtime, springtime comes back and, and everything turns green again and everything's beautiful again after that dormant season, we look at God's creation, even though it's, it's fallen creation, been touched and tainted by 
by sin. It's gorgeous. And again, God has made something beautiful for us for something that's just going to go away again. And Jesus is saying to us, you see the birds? They're fine. They're taken care of. Some of them are huge. They have so much food. They have a place to stay. You see the beautiful creation. You see the flowers. You see the mountains. I mean, if God takes care of those types of things, won't he take care of you? Why do you worry, he says. So therefore, verse 31, he says, don't worry. It's the same word that Paul just said. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Jesus says, don't worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry. God's going to take care of you. I have found in our culture, worry is often associated not with the basic necessities of life. Worry is often associated with the excesses of life. Because we're so blessed. We have so much. And we worry about this and we worry about that. In a general sense, this, this items of food and clothing and, and those types of things, it's out of excess. What will I lose and what will happen to me? And instead of just seeking first the kingdom of God, certainly, friends, there are other sources of worry and anxiety. I know that to be true. But nonetheless, we're to not worry and trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Today on Abounding Grace, we've uncovered the remedy for the troubled, anxious heart. Pastor Ed, I like these five things that you gave us that will help us deal with worry. One, stop. Two, seek. Three, thank. Four, stay. And five, fill. So what do you say we close our time together seeking the Lord in prayer? Would you pray right now for that person listening that is anxious or even depressed? You know, Larry, I'd love to. Uh, This is such a common part of the human experience that before I do pray, I just want to affirm to you that you're not a bad Christian because you deal with this. You deal with anxiety. You deal with a troubled heart, worry. I mean, I think that it's it's like, I wish we didn't. I wish we had that confidence. Uh, I know people that are, are very rarely do they deal with this, but for folks like me, this is an area of my life I need to, it, that drives me and continually draws me to the love of God. And so, Father, I do pray for those listening, both now and in the future, that uh, deal with this worry and just really do have troubled hearts. I think of the widow or the widower. Uh, I think of the child that can't see their grandparents. I, I think, God, of the troubled pastors and leaders and the marriages on the edge and those that are addicted and those that just have human fears. I pray that you would comfort them. Your word is clear that we can trust you and come right into the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. So help us, God, as we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And friend, if you'd like us to pray more specifically for you, jot down a prayer request and send that off to us by email. You can do that right now at AboundingGraceRadio.com under Contact Us. 
If you'd like to hear the message from the Gospel of John again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Ed Taylor. Each month, we pick out a book we think can really help your walk with the Lord and encourage you in the Lord. Today, we're pleased to offer you another excellent resource. It's a book by E.M. Bounds on prayer. Now, you might think of it as seven books in one, and it contains inspiring reflections on the power of prayer. It's broken down into short chapters, so you can read in bite-sized portions. It's a great way to start the day and an excellent addition to your quiet time with God. Request your copy of the book titled E.M. Bounds on Prayer today. To get a copy for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover some of the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number, 877-30-GRACE. We'll share another helpful message from Pastor Ed Taylor next time on Abounding Grace. We'll look for you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.